becoming the answer to someone else's prayer. And uh, I've only been here a little while this morning, but I can already tell that that's very much within your hearts, Pete and Dell, uh, that people would... G'day, Julie, how are you? <laughs> Good to see you. Um, that people would really not only have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but that we would take what God has given us and we would share it with others. That we wouldn't just enjoy all the blessings that we have. And we know we are, on each of us, on a journey uh, in, in our faith. Some of you here have been Christians for many, many years. Some of you maybe for some time less. I'll just pull this over a little bit. Um, but whatever you, wherever you are on your journey, there is absolutely uh, no doubt that God wants you to be able to take what he's given you and enable you to share it with others. Because... Um, you're called into the kingdom for such a time as this. We are the Christians that are alive in this generation and that's no accident and it's no coincidence that you're here today as a Christian and if you're not a Christian, you can be, as Pastor Peter's been sharing already, God has, God has deemed it that we would be alive in this time, in this hour and therefore we have an opportunity and an open door and an empowering Holy Spirit that we would do whatever he calls us to do. Can you say amen? So never look at yourself and, and say, well, I can't do this or I can't do that. We're all on a journey. We all have this treasure in jars of clay, the Bible says. We're all broken vessels. There's no one perfect in this room. But God never overlooks us on the basis or never looks at us on the basis of what we were or how yet un, uh, imperfect we may be. He has a purpose and a plan to put his hand upon us and the rest of it will continually be history if we'll just become the answer to someone else's prayer. You know, when God deals in our lives, I just want to put a scripture up here first for you to, to, to look at in, in, uh, in Romans chapter 12, and, and this is the New Living Version, I think we've got up there. Yeah, don't copy the, the, the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Everyone in this room is on a journey of God purifying you and working in your life and developing you. You know, Paul also says that he that has begun a good work in you shall continue to perform it right up until the day of Jesus Christ. So God is working in your life. And there are a number of key indicators of when a Christian is coming to maturity as we go on this journey of faith from the beginning to where God can really use us in our life. The first one, and they'll come up as points on the screen, the first one is we begin to find the will of God. We begin to, um, we begin to take habits under control, sorry, and sin starts to fall away. Addictions and things that cause us to be dysfunctional and struggle in our life's journey and things that cause us to, to be broken and unable to do, hardly survive, let alone do good for others, God enables us and he cleanses us and those things begin to fall away. There are people in this room who've become completely transformed to where you were before you come to know Jesus Christ. Who can say amen? There were things in your life that controlled you and, and there were just habits and things that they're, they're gone because of the power of God in your life. It's, it's a key indicator of the journey towards maturity. The second one is we begin to find the will of God. We begin to discover ourselves. We begin to find out who God intends 
us to be, what gifts he put within our life before the foundation of the world too, by the way. The Lord says he knew us. Even before we are in our mother's womb, he knew us. And he had a plan and a purpose for your life. Never think that your life is, hasn't got a purpose and who am I, what am I, what am I here for? I want to tell you, you keep pressing into God. You will know what is the purpose and plan that God has for your life. And it's a good plan. And God begins to do that in our life. The third thing that is a key indicator of maturity is um, our lives come to order in social and relational aspects. We leave uh, areas of dysfunction and uh, a lot of people strive and have had lives full of conflict. Uh, you know, people carry a victim mentality and blame everybody else for what's going on. We blame the school teachers, we blame the government, you know, that victim mentality. But God wants to set us free from those kind of things and bring us to maturity so that we can cross a line to become people that can be the answer to other people's prayers. The fourth thing I want to mention is that we become more positive, faith-filled people as we press into God, assimilate his word in our life. We, um, we just, be, our whole mindset, we become transformed by the renewing of our minds. Who thinks a bit different now to what it was like before you came to Christ? Of course. And so these are some of the key indicators of coming into maturity in our lives, you know, we move out of negative mindsets and negative relationships and, and things that really brought us down. But one of the greatest indicators, which is the title of this message that I want to talk to you, is when I become the answer to someone else's prayer. When I reach a point in my life, and I'm going to talk to you about how to become the answer to someone else's prayer this morning. I'm going to give you a few pointers on that. I'm going to tell some stories about people whose lives have been completely changed in that way. But one of the greatest signs of maturity as a Christian is when some of these things we've been talking about have really come to fruition in our lives and all of a sudden we begin to realise that God wants to use me to actually be a part in answering the prayers of other people. Do you know that right now, all around the world, in this city of Tawoman, there are Toowoomba, there are broken people. There are people that are praying and saying, God, are you even real? God, are you there? You probably prayed a prayer like that at some time before Christ in your life. And there are people that are praying right now all across the face of this earth. And when God answers their prayer, let me tell you, well, you think about it, when God answered some of the great needs of your life, when you were in a crisis or there was brokenness in your life and God wanted to do something in your life, did that answer come floating down from heaven in a special little heavenly made parachute bought from China because <laughs> they were cheap it, did, did God answer your prayer by floating it down from heaven in a little parachute did he or did he not I'll tell you that 99.999% of every time that God answered your prayer that answer came through somebody else that answer came through somebody who cared enough about people, was listening enough to God to, to allow God to make a difference in their life, got, got interested, got, got noticed, uh, began to notice that there were needs all around them and somehow had come to a place of maturity, crossed the line and said, God, here I am, send me. And that, the rest of it is history because when God answers our prayers, he always uses a member of his family. He uses a person who is listening, a person who is open, a person who is willing to say, Lord, it's just me. It's just me, but Lord, whatever I can do, 
can you use me? Every person in this room, if you name the name of Jesus, if you've confessed your sin and you believe in him and you've decided to walk and follow after him as a believer, God has a plan that he can, he can do things through your life that you cannot imagine the chain reaction that heaven can start through your life just by one simple little act of obedience. You cannot even begin to imagine what God can actually do in generations past you and further, should Jesus tarry, you cannot begin to imagine what God can unleash from heaven into generations through one act of obedience and becoming the answer to someone, someone else's prayer. Tell a person beside you, he's preaching at me. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> yeah. Amen. You know, um, actually, you know Steve Kelly. Years ago, a friend of mine, Steve Kelly, he's a preacher in America now. He's just been recently over here and uh, went to a men's breakfast <laughs> a few, three, about four weeks ago. And all of us who went to the men's breakfast to hear Steve Kelly, we all come back home with COVID. Because <laughs> we all went in the same car. That was funny. But anyway, this, this friend of mine, uh, he told me that when he was a young Christian in, in Bible college, he was mowing his grass down in Sydney and uh, his mower broke down and he didn't have hardly any money so he had no way of finishing mowing his grass. So he thought, oh, I'll go around to my mate's place and borrow his mower. And he went around and, and knocked on his door and said, oh, mate, my mower broke down. You know, can, can I borrow your mower? And he said, yeah, no worries. Come around to the garage. And he up went the roller door and this guy walks out and he wheeled out this like it's a brand new mower. And he said, here. And he said, oh, Wow. It looks new. He said, it's not only new, it's yours. He said, what? He said, no. He said, I've got two mowers. He said, this is me backup mower, but you can have it. God bless you, you know. And he went home rejoicing. He's driving his car home. Oh, thank you, Lord. You provided my need. You, I've got a brand new mower. How good is that, you know? And then God spoke to him. He said, which guy do you want to be? The guy that can hardly beg or scrape his way through life? Or would you like to be the guy that owned two lawnmowers that you could actually give one away? Where do you want to be? Where do you want to be in your life? Because it, that's got, how you choose and how you set your face and the stance that you take makes a big difference in actually how much God can use you. If you don't think too much of what God is in your life, then you're, ne you're going to limit God and he's never going to be able to work through your life. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Okay, so there's a few things I want to talk to you about how to become the answer to someone else's prayer. Who'd like... Who'd like to know that? <laughs> you would? It's really good. You know, what's your name? Oh, Caitlin. Caitlin. No, you haven't done anything. But, but God's done a lot. And he's, he's done a lot in your life already. But I just, I just, when I sat down here this morning and I saw you bouncing around and laughing and carrying on, <laughs> God told me to tell you that he loves you so unbelievably. Yeah. Um, you have yet to come into the fullness still of even some of the greater expressions of his love for you. And the more and more you know how much he loves you, the more radical for Jesus you're going to become. And the more at peace you're going to be in your own heart. He loves you enormously. God bless you, Caitlin. How to become the answer to someone else's prayer. Okay. The first thing is we've got to get a love for people. Because God so loved the world. You cannot become the answer to someone else's prayer if you can't stand people. 
And I don't know about you, if you've lived a bit, you know that some people are a bit huckery. That's a Kiwi word for not so good, in case you thought it was a swear word. <laughs> if you can't stand people, you're in no place for God to be able to use you. People annoy me in the traffic. People annoy you everywhere, every day. But if you want to be used by God, you've got to find the love of God for people to somehow get a smidgen of deposit of that in your life. So that when you walk through your life, when you drive through the traffic, whatever may be happening in your life, somehow resonating in your heart, there's a love for people that connects with God's love for people. It's absolutely foundational. If you haven't got it, if you're more interested in trying to you know, get on the internet and find out what's wrong with the world and all, find out every controversy and, and every uh, conspiracy and everything that's going on and just want to carry on and rant on Facebook about how bad everything and everybody and the government and everything else is and have all the answers and nobody else knows, you'll never be able to become the answer to someone else's prayer. Because God looks at all that, but his heart resonates with love for people. He's passionately in love with people. He gave his life for people. We just celebrated. He hung on the cross with nails in his hands. So wide were his arms apart that his heart was completely exposed. That was no accident. He didn't die like that. He died like that. His heart was exposed. He loved people. You know, we used to sing a song years ago. Some of you may... Remember that song, Jesus, I believe in you, and I would go to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth for you. Who knows that song? And we'd be, people would be in church with their hands raised on the front row. Oh, Jesus, I believe in you, and I'd go to the ends of the earth, and you don't even know your neighbor's names. It's a wake-up call. We have to match the rhetoric of our songs and our expressions in church to our everyday life. Would you even cross the road to help anybody that you sang about the day before in church? We have to ask ourselves those questions. The parable of the Good Samaritan is a classic example. Everybody walked past the broken man. Even one of the, the priests walked past the broken man. It's got nothing to do with how educated you are got nothing to do if you've got a plaque on your wall that says you're a highly trained minister of religion or any such thing if you don't love people you can't become the answer to someone else's prayer so what do we do we 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 make a part of our prayer life and uh, while we're singing in the car singing in the shower talking to god whenever you talk to god say god i'm 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 imploring you god You, you see you need to get really desperate with god on some of these things God, make a difference in my heart because if I've got your heart, then I will be able to love people and then when people are in need, I'll see it because you'll be seeing them through me. Can you say amen? Okay, grow love for people. The second thing I want to mention is um, how to become the answer to someone else's prayer is report for duty and get um, switched on. Report for duty. You know, I really believe there there should be a moment in everybody's life when we report for duty. There should be a moment when all those key indicators of coming to maturity should come to some sort of fruition 
And there should be some moment, and I'm going to give you that opportunity today. Many of you are already in that place, but we're all going to do it afresh again this morning in a simple little act. There, there needs to be a time and a moment when you step across a line and say, Jesus, yes, sir, Lord Jesus, reporting for, G- for service, not jury duty. <laughs> or nearly said it. Reporting for duty, sir, in the sense of like a soldier of the cross. I'm reporting for duty. I, Lord, now begin to fill me with the gifts. I remember back in Chinchilla as a young man, about 17 years old, I remember lying on the floor, crying and pleading with God, God, give me the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let them come into my heart. Lord, give me the gift of prophecy. I want to bring your word to people. Do you know I've prophesied over people all around the world? In Russian churches, I've prophesied over people. I was in a church in Narva on the banks of the Narva River. There was ice everywhere in the Arctic Sea and I was in this building with about 400 Russian people in it. They were in Estonia but they were Russians. And when I went there, I had a little... Uh, well, I went on saying little, he was shorter than me. <laughs> His name was Slava, which means glory. This young guy was with me and while I was there, there was like in the second row, there was a woman sitting there and she looked so unbelievably miserable, my heart kept being drawn to her and in the end, halfway through my message, I thought, I've got to say something. I went over to her and I said to the, I said to the young interpreter, I said, who is this lady? He said, oh, pastor, she is the pastor's wife. I said, oh, this is great. And he was sitting over there. Sergey, the pastor, was sitting over there and she's there. And I said, come out here. Come out here. 400 people in the congregation. And as they walked to the front, the whole church started crying. The whole church started crying. And the Holy Spirit said to me, marry them. I said, what? You know, if God tells you to do something, don't try to work it all out. Just do it. So I I sort of did like a little wedding. I said, put your hand on his hand, hold his hand. And I said, I redeclared over them that they are to be husband and wife. They they are to be free from the, the pain and the heartache and the pain. The whole church was weeping. I found out later that they'd been going through heartache and brokenness in their marriage for years and yet they had a church of 400 people. You see, when I cried out, when I reported for duty when I was 17 years old, I didn't know that I'd stand in a Russian church and see the reuniting of the pastor and his wife's marriage. And 15 years later, I inquired of them. They were still there in their churches, still thriving today. Report for duty. God will take you seriously. You will become the answer to someone else's prayer if you will report for duty. I hope in your heart you're thinking, oh, I want to do that right now. You want to do that, Caitlin? (laughs) That's good. Okay. So we've got to get a love for people. Okay. Have I got that photo? The next slide. Okay. I'm going to try and get through this. The next thing that we need to do is we need to be be an initiator of God's plans and purposes. There's a little grave there. And a little girl, that's when she was alive. That little girl, well, let me go back. That grave is in the Chinchilla, old Chinchilla Cemetery and that little girl died when she was three years old on her third birthday. Her mother didn't know Jesus. Her, her mother's name was Jemima Mary Leslie Campbell. She later became one of the founding members of the Chinchilla Assemblies of God. 
And when that little girl died, I visited that little grave a few times and wept over her grave because the end result of this story, I'm going to tell you in a moment. But that woman, the mother of that little girl, went around the town of Miles and Chinchilla knocking on the church's door saying, will I ever see my baby again? What happened to my child? Will I ever see her again? Is there a God? And she got no help because no one seemed to be able to reach her. That's, that's a bit scary, isn't it? That even the priest couldn't help her. But there was a woman who I later found out her name was Mrs Thorpe, a Methodist woman in Chinchilla. And this is 1939. She put a cart to a horse and went round to Jemima Campbell's house and start, said, I heard what happened about your child and I believe if you give your life to Jesus, you will see your daughter again. And Jemima Campbell said, if God will do this for me, I will serve him all the days of my life and I'll tell everybody about him. And she did. She was known in Chinchilla for generations as Granny Campbell and she led so many people to Jesus and many of her descendants went into ministry. But that woman led both of mine and Pam's grandmothers to Jesus, both after a tragic loss of a child. Her son fought in the war and came home and died in a truck accident less than hardly 12 months later. And Granny Campbell, Mrs Campbell, this little girl's mother, went to her and led my grandmother, Grandmother Wedrett, to Jesus. And through that, my father later came to faith and my uncle, some of my, my uncles and many of us have gone into ministry from those days. And then um, my mother's mum, her son was drowned in the creek out the back of Chinchilla. And that little woman, my grandmother, I never knew I was too young when she died. She had a hunchback and she used to walk in the blistering chinchilla sun, walk all the way up to the cemetery once a week to put flowers on her son's grave. And once again, that woman, Mrs Campbell, saw her. One day she walked past the Assembly of God Church in Chinchilla and she went out to her and she reached out to her and she led her to Jesus. And so many people have come into service and ministry and lives have been changed. That, that woman is... My wife, Linda's great-grandmother. So all, uh, in, in Linda and I, the whole thing collided in the sense. And so we were off serving in Europe and all the churches we helped plant in Eastern Europe that are now serving all these refugees came through this. What is my point? The point is, that woman called Mrs Thorpe, who put a horse to a cart and went round and led her to Jesus, she became the answer to someone else's prayer. Everybody knows who Granny Campbell is, but no one ever hears about that Methodist woman. But I want to tell you, that is a classic example of just one little act of obedience, one little act of kindness. I'm going to go around and see that young woman and I'm going to tell her about Jesus and tell her that one day she'll see her child again in heaven. Let me tell you one more little extra bit of that. I was up in the Philippines in 2015 uh, ministering at a... At a there was a missionary there, Margaret Pashley, and they asked me to preach on the Sunday morning. There was another Aussie missionary and his wife were coming to pick me up that Sunday and take me to another place. And I told this story in this church in the Philippines. And as I was telling this story, that Aussie missionary guy sitting up in the back of the service, I watched him, he began to weep and he began to cry. 
and he wept all the way through that story. And after the service, he came up to me and he said, I can't believe this. I'm in the middle of the Philippines, but that woman led me to Jesus in Mount Isa when I was just a hopeless young man on drugs. And here I'm telling the story in the Philippines, and now he's a missionary, him and his wife, Paul and Narelle Kelvin, if some of you may have even heard of them. Become the answer to someone else's prayer. Become uh, an initiator, if you go to the next point, be an initiator of God's plans and purposes. I love Jonathan and his armour bearer. You know, they're stacked up against all the Philistines. You know, the Philistines had taken all the swords off all the men of Israel, but Jonathan had one. He was the son of the king. And there they were cowed down. The whole army was bowed down and under oppression by the Philistines. And Jonathan looked at his armour bearer and he said to him, what? he said, I, re- I reckon he must have had a bit of Aussie in him. He said, why don't we have a crack at these Philistines? Why, why don't we just get up and attack the Philistines? Who's read that in the Bible? Why don't we have a go, you know? And then they said something amazing. And he said, perhaps the Lord will help us. That's a pretty good statement of faith. Why don't we have a go? And maybe God will help us. And God did. They got up and they attacked the Philistines, two men. And God brought a great victory for Israel that day and and threw out the Philistine army and Israel was set free because someone was prepared to initiate. I've got a grandson. It's called Jackson. When he was a little boy, he used to come into my garage and he, got, got the, he worked it out that when I'd press the button, that electricity would flow through that power tool and there'd be a lot of noise like a power saw or a battery drill or something. And he used to come in and sneak in the door. He's about three or four years old. He'd say, Grandad. And he'd all, he's getting all ready. He'd get in position because he, he's getting ready to run. And he'd say, Grandad, press a button, press a button, press a button. So I'd grab the drill and I'd press a button. He'd tear off out of the shed because he's scared of the noise. But then he'd come sneaking back in, Grandad, Grandad, press a button. And he'd tear off again. In the end, I got him helping me drill the screws into wood and all that stuff that Grandads do. But then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I wish a lot more of my children got the drift of that little statement. Initiate. Press the button. If you want to be the answer to someone else's prayer used by God, you've got to be willing to initiate. You've just got to have a go. You've got to step in there. When you're prompted, when you're called, when you feel a moment, Caitlin, when something happens and you know there's a need there, there's a moment that's just, there's like a flashing moment, initiate. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You've got to press the button. You've got to initiate. Okay, so the next thing I want to say is... um, find my notes here. It's on this page. That's right. Okay. Ooh. Okay. We've got to practice intentional giving and generosity. For God so loved the world that he gave. Someone once said, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. I want to tell you that if you cannot give, if you cannot have a practised habit, a default nature of generosity in your life, God can never use you. Because everything that God does for people when he answers prayer is a gift. Amen? It's a free gift. And so people that even notice a need are usually kind-hearted, 
generous people who have been so changed and so thankful because of God that they will be prepared to be a giver in their life. Now, just in case some of you think, oh, wow, I've still got a fair way to go yet, let me tell you that it doesn't matter where you are in your journey, God still wants to use you and he's still committed to bringing you into the fullness of his plan. There was a guy in our church that we planted in Mariba. His name was Joe. And um, this guy, he was just about as wide as he was tall. He was just built like that brick building out in the backyard that they used to talk about. I can't mention it in church, the way it was said anyway. (laughs) He actually had a patch over one eye and he had tattoos on his arm back in the day when hardly anyone had tattoos. Nowadays. But... uh, I told the story of Joe in Poland once through an interpreter. I said, he had a patch over his eye and he looked like a parrot. And the interpreter told the people, he had a patch over his eye, uh, sorry, and he looked like a parrot, not a pirate. <laughs> I got it, I stuffed up there. <laughs> yeah, she told the people he looked like a parrot. And some of the English-speaking people in the crowd said, no, 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 he say, he say pirate, not parrot. And everybody had a big laugh, just like you. But Joe was a rough-looking guy and he got saved at about 40 and God began to change his life. And he went to a TAFE college up there to try and improve his education so he could get a better job. He already started on the journey of being a better person and trying to make his life count. But when he went to the TAFE college, there was, he was 40-odd and, and there's all these young, young people there and some young guys were there. And, and he told them all straight away that he'd just become a Christian and all that and... You know, some young guys are not very clever. They, they don't know who to tease and they don't know who not to tease, you know. <laughs> you, when you look at Joe, you've you got to think, I'm probably not going to tease him. <laughs> I'm not going to arc him up, that guy. He, looks, he just looked mean, you know. Anyway, so one day they all, had, on the Friday afternoon, went down to the swimming pool. The, the Tafe College was going to have a swim and a barbecue. And some of the young guys got around him and started splashing him with water and teasing him about being a Christian. And he tried to get away from him. He sort of grinned at him for a little bit. In the end, he lost his temper. And he grabbed one of these young guys by the throat and pinned him up against the wall of the pool. And then, of course, all, the, all these people all got around him, all these young people yelling at him, saying, you can't do that. You can't do that. You're a Christian. And he said one of the greatest things I've ever heard. He, he looked at him. He said, you better be careful. I might be a Christian, but I'm not a very good one yet. <laughs> you might be a Christian but you mightn't feel like you're a very good one yet. But God wants to use you. Amen? That sounds funny, and it is. It's a funny story. I love telling that story because everybody always cacks himself laughing. But the thing is, don't measure God's ability to use you by your measure of yourself because you'll never do anything if you try to measure your own ability and capacity. Let God do that part of it. He can use everybody. He even spoke through a donkey once, so give yourself a break. (laughs) Amen? Dig the person in the rib and say, he's talking to me. (laughs) Okay. So practice intentional giving and generosity. The answer of God always flows through a gift. It always flows through a gift. Just practice generosity. And I say practice it. If you're not very good at giving, if you feel a bit stingy, if you have been called a Scrooge, there'd be a reason why. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we got one. <laughs> of course you're not. <laughs> but sometimes the way life shapes us, 
we become and our default is to hold and because we're scared we're, we're, gonna, we're, we're not going to have enough and we, we, the last thing we'll ever want to do is give anything away. But as you practice intentional giving and generosity, don't go wait for something to come to you. Just, just do it and develop and change your default. Set, reset your default as a generous person by practicing being generous. So this is my last story and then I'm finished preaching. But um, when we lived in Budapest in Hungary, um, it was so much fun because I love to, to, to give and I love to be generous and, and all that sort of thing. But I always love to find a way to continue to be generous. I, um, I'm a beekeeper as well and I love giving honey away to people. My sister's going to say, well, how come you don't give it to me? <laughs> I do. Uh, I have. But, uh, and, you know, I just love it because the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But you know what? The blessing of giving and generosity is not only the joy you get when you give something away, but it's also that you're releasing another person to learn how to be generous as well, and then the reciprocation of God pouring back into your life always is a blessing. So it's a, a blessed thing. When I lived in Budapest, I used to go to this supermarket there called Alshan. I think it was a French company had built this big supermarket there, and it was like, is Aldi the only place now where you've got to put a $2 coin in still to get a trolley? Come on now. They used to do it at Woolworths and that day. I think they got over that idea. Um, but in Budapest, you have to do that too. You used to have to put a one forint. Uh, Hungarian money was a forint. You had to put a one forint coin in the, in the trolley to get it. And, of course, anyone who ever found a trolley not in the trolley bay that still had a one forint coin in it, they thought Christmas had come early. And so whenever I used to do because I, I used to do nearly all the grocery shopping because I enjoy it, you know. And, uh, yeah, guys, it's all right. It's okay. Anyway, so I just, I'd empty my, my groceries, put the trolley with the one foreign coin, which is about 20 cents, on the footpath and sit in my car and just watch. Oh, so much fun. Because people would come along and see this unheard of free trolley. Who would never take their trolley back to get their one foreign coin back? No one in Hungary, <laughs> but I did. And so I'd watch people come along, be absolutely stunned and shocked and then have to overcome their fear of being caught stealing someone's trolley with, <laughs> and eventually run into the supermarket hoping nobody would see them. So this one day, I was sitting in the car and right in front of me was the trolley on the footpath and these two ladies come along. There was a younger woman and a, and a more senior lady. I guess it was mother and daughter. And they were coming into the supermarket and they approached and they saw the trolley. <laughs> there it was. And... They started talking and straight away the daughter was trying to find a crack in the hole to crawl in because pretty much her mum was telling her in Hungarian, I could just go reading the body language, she wanted that trolley and there's no way she was going to walk past it. But the daughter saying, oh mum, oh don't, it's somebody's trolley in Hungarian. I just read the body language and interpreted what she was saying. And she was trying to get away from mother and in the end the old lady, she said, no, 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 I'm going to try this out. So she sneaks up to the trolley like this Real slow, looking around, and she just touched the trolley and then stepped back, waiting to hear someone yell at her. Nobody yelled. You could tell she was determined she was going to get this trolley because it had a one foreign coin in it. Anyway, nothing happened. The daughter's, anyway, in the end she goes up and then she, this time she comes up the second time and this time she grabbed hold of it and she hung on. And she got a grip on it, I tell you. And then she... 
No one's yelling out, get away from my trolley, that's my trolley. Nothing, no one happened. And then she, then she did this. And I'm sitting in the car right in front of her, just laughing and enjoying this. <laughs> and then she goes like this. <laughs> and she took off straight. And the daughter's <laughs> running after her. And they were skylarking. And, we got a free trolley, we got a free trolley. And I drove home after practic- practising intentional giving and generosity and saying, oh, how much fun was that? <laughs> Never had so much fun giving away 20 cents in my whole life. But if you're a bit tight, it's a bit hard to do things like that. No, no way. I'm getting my one foreign coin back. I'm getting my two bucks back. No, just practice being generous in whatever way God uses you. And that way you can become the answer to someone else's prayer because God loves people. He wants people who'll initiate. He wants people who'll report for duty. He wants people who'll practice being good givers because they're the people. You know, there's another scripture there. I think it says the eyes of the Lord. Have we got that scripture? Might be back on one of the earlier slides. Three, go back to three. Yes, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Can you imagine that when God wants to answer people's prayers, he's looking for somebody that's ready. He's looking for someone to send the answer through. I wonder what he feels when he looks at you. And that's not a condemnatory statement. That is, come on, guys. The heart of the church. If the, ch- the church is never more needed than right now in Australia in 2022. It's an anti-church attitude. There's an anti-Christ spirit manifesting more strongly in Australia than ever before. But let's be famous and known as Christians in Australia, for, not for what we're against, but what we're for. Let's be famous for what we're for, all the good things of God and, and not being hidden And not being afraid, but showing the love of Jesus Christ. Become the answer to someone else's prayer. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. Ooh, I went eight minutes over. (laughs) Okay, what we're going to do, the first thing I want to say is, right at this very moment, wherever you are in your life, do not... Assess yourself and rubbish yourself right now. Don't do that because God is not doing that to you. You're doing that to you. That's part of brokenness. But in this moment, I want you to know that God looks at every person in this room and he loves you. With an unbelievable love, he loves you and he wants to use you. So in this moment, do not try to calculate and reason in your mind about whether God could use you to change generations. That's not the question you need to be asking yourself because God will, if you'll just make yourself available to him, he can do incredible things through your life. Yes, your life. Not only the pastor's wife or the pastor himself or somebody else. No, you. If you name his name and you're ready to be used by him. And so... Can I ask you, as a simple act of faith, there's nothing mystical or super spiritual about what I'm going to ask you to do because I do it all the time myself. We're going to find a way to take a step forward or sideways, whatever way you want to do it. And, and I'm not telling you to do You don't have to do this if you don't want to. It's up to you. 
But why don't we collectively say, Jesus, Jesus. I'm going to report for duty afresh this morning. I, I, I want to be used by you, Lord. This, if you do this with all your heart and you're saying, Jesus, help me as you do it, I want to tell you, this is serious, he, he will use you. He, he will call upon you when there's a need right in front of you. He will touch your life. So when you're ready, just take a step forward and then we're going to pray. If you want to, just take a step forward. It's a step of faith. Lord, I step forward in faith. I afresh in my life, I report for duty. I afresh in my life say, God, I will initiate. Even when I'm afraid, I'll just step in and go for it. Lord, I want to be a giver. I want to be a lover of people. I don't want to be an angry person that doesn't like people. I want to be someone that follows after your great heart. And so, Lord, as I've taken this step forward, I stand in your presence now and Holy Spirit, I come. I pray that you'll come right now and you'll just put your hand on every person's life. And Lord, first, Lord Jesus, would you show them just how much you love them and how much you care about them and how much you've got a plan for their life and how much you want to use them if they'll just avail themselves of the great resources of heaven. We stand in this moment of faith. And God, I pray that as for every person that's taken this step forward as just a little symbolic thing, that you will hear their heart, Lord, and that you will touch their life and that they will truly become the answer to someone else's prayer.